Chris Paul training in Florida. And there are rumors that the Heat have a level of interest. There's a reason why these rumors keep coming up, and I think Oklahoma City in a position where they're trying to rebuild, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to have a guy like Chris Paul. I've been watching LaMelo from afar. I think from a maturity standpoint, he's matured. He's played professionally. He's been in different environments. He's gone to Europe. He's traveled the world. And he has a different understanding of the game. And he's 6'7 now. He's legit. Walkie Bucks were fined $50,000 for saying they will offer Giannis a Supermax. We talked about the tampering. We talked about how it's become a problem and an issue. But in this case, clearly the league is just trying to send a message. Welcome to the Steve Hutchison episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 76. Back in the land of the green. I'm not talking about the cheese. I'm talking about the trees. Portland, Oregon. Enjoying myself here. Sun is shining. It's beautiful. Fresh. And Jordan is back on the East Coast. Enjoying that 80 degree weather as the sun continues to settle down. Meanwhile, Chris Paul training in Florida, DBC, working with my guy Dave Alexander, who I spent some time with last summer. And there are rumors that the Heat have a level of interest in him. And earlier in the summer, they talked about how if he was willing to waive that option, that player option that he has on the final year of his contract, a deal would possibly get done. The rumor on the street was that he was not going to waive that, I don't know, 40 plus million dollar option, player option that he has, and talks stop. But now that the season's approaching, Chris Paul's in great shape, has become a vegan. A lot of things have changed. The Heat seem to be interested. Jordan, what are your thoughts on this? I don't think it's a surprise that Miami's interested. Um, I think it it's fascinating that this keeps coming up. Um, you know, if if this continues to be rumored and continues to have legs, I think It'll, it, it's more likely that it could potentially happen. Um, we know that, you know, Oklahoma City uh, G, GM Sam Presti um, has been uh, listening. So with that in mind, I, I still don't think this, this deal happens, at least not right now. Um, obviously, Miami has some pieces that they could send, Justice Winslow being one of them. I don't think that a deal happens, though. Because you're you're still talking about Chris Paul having to waive that type, that significant amount of money, and um, he is 34 years old. This is obviously the end of his career, and for him to say no to tens of millions of dollars that he will not see again is it's I don't want to say it's unfathomable, but it's, it's I'd say it's pretty unlikely. I would definitely say it's highly unlikely as a player. Um, considering where he's at in his career, what he's been able to accomplish and what he would be able to accomplish at Miami with Jimmy Butler, assuming Jimmy Butler would still be there um, when he's traded there. I think they try to maybe restructure that last year, but there's no way he just declines um, that guaranteed money. It just doesn't make sense from a financial standpoint. Uh, it's not a great business decision, but I do think that he will end up being traded to the Miami Heat at some point. I'm not sure when, I'm not sure why, I'm not sure how. You do. I think he will. There's a reason why these rumors keep coming up, and I think Oklahoma City in a position where they're trying to rebuild, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to have a guy like Chris Paul, who's a veteran, who's an established star in this league, um, who's trying to win a championship 
when you have Shea and all those other young guys around him, if Chris Paul is there, the ball's going to be in his hands. It's not going to be in Shea's hands, and that's going to stunt his development and his growth as a player. And it's also putting them in a position to be very competitive uh, with Chris Paul there. And I think they're in the point or stage where they want to put on a show for fans, but they're also trying to get a high draft pick. Uh, it would seem, based on the amount of draft picks they were able to uh, acquire in the Paul George and Russell Westbrook trade, wouldn't you think that they're trying to get a better draft pick for next season and the seasons uh, going forward. Well, I like what the Heat have done. Um, you know, obviously they got Jimmy Butler. We'll see if that works out. But in terms of you know high level talent, they you know they pick him up. They they draft Tyler Hero. Um, you know they they have they have not been relevant since the big three, and they're they're trying to reestablish themselves in the coming years. They they won't be this year a contender, but if they were to get Chris Paul and he were to decline that 44 and change million dollar option, um, then they can go out and try to get somebody else. Another, you know, blue chip caliber player. I, I just, again, why would he decline that? Because I, the only thing that he hasn't done is win a championship. If he thinks, I guess the argument, the counter is if he believes that he can do so in Miami, win a championship, um, then perhaps taking a significant pay cut would be worth it at this point in his career as he tries to cement himself as a Hall of Famer. And I think he already is a Hall of Famer, but maybe he needs that um, in his arsenal, in his, in his trophy case, an NBA championship. Yeah, there's no doubt he's a Hall of Famer. Um, but if he retires tomorrow, he's a Hall of Famer. But I think from a competitive standpoint, he definitely wants to compete for a championship. It just has to, you know, he has to figure out how bad he wants to compete for a championship. Um, is it twenty million? Is it thirty million? Is it fifteen million? What's the amount of money you're willing to take or give away or give up uh, in order to have a better chance at competing for a championship? Because there's no guarantees in this business or this league. But I think that's something he'll look at as he continues to evaluate his situation. And it's ironic that these rumors are happening as he's working out uh, in Miami at DVC. I think it's uh, very ironic and, and funny. But I think he still can be an elite level player, and I think he will be. Getting away from Houston, the yeah. Houston Rockets was a blessing in disguise for him because he's able to get back to being himself, you know, being able to dominate the ball, being in pick and rolls, having spacing, having a valuable role man in Steven Adams. I think that we're going to see an intercharged, an energetic, charged up Chris Paul going into this season. He looks like he's in great shape based on some changes he's made in his diet and his training. Well, he, yeah, he hasn't been elite in, in a couple years. Um, really, in, a, in three years, I, I'd say this year he was exposed because he really wasn't able to get to the basket. I think the vegan um, decision was really smart. It'll prolong his career. It'll make him, I think, a, a better player. He, he really has. He's, he looks great. And he's actually involved in a movie that I'm involved with called Game Changers, which is all about uh, plant-based food and uh, how it relates to performance, especially with with athletes, and it's great that he's taken that upon himself, and I hope it helps him. Um, but to say that he would be elite again is, um, I mean, that's it's possible, but that's a big reach at his age. Now, if 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 he is if he is, and he is willing to take to decline that player option, I, I what would that do for his career um, in the eyes of fans and, and and voters to say 
and, and especially if he wins a championship. Because I agree, he is a Hall of Famer. But if he wins a championship and he 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 reasserts himself as let's say a top five point guard and and does so by taking less money, I mean, doesn't that elevate him? into another stratosphere as an all-time great point guard? I think it'll definitely elevate him if he's able to advance very far in the playoffs after turning down money okay. and, and showing the sacrifice and the willingness to to want to win. But in terms of being a top five point guard, I think it's it's going to be hard, not because he's not good enough, but because there's so much talent at that position in the NBA. You got Steph, James is James the point guard? Is yeah. he shooting guard? Yeah. It's debatable. You got Dame. I didn't even mention Kyrie. And all right, well, how about top? You got 10? Russell Westbrook. There's so many. Yeah, I was gonna say there's so many good point guards. Chris Paul can be in the top five, probably towards the bottom half of the top five. You know, but there's just so many good point guards. Like prime Chris Paul, prime Steph Curry. There's an argument that one is better than the other. But right now, it's hard to argue that there's another point guard in the league at 34 years old better than a 31-year-old Steph Curry. Oh, I agree. I agree. But it's it's in their primes it's close. In their primes like they're both you take them both at 30, then both at 29. Some would argue Chris Paul early on. Obviously now Steph's got the rings, he's got the unanimous MVP. It's a different light on him and there's a different type of influence he has not only not only in the NBA but over the game of basketball in general. So it's hard to Go back and forth. But I, th- I think he does play like a top 10 point guard this season. I think he puts up tremendous numbers in Oklahoma for however long he's there. I think that he he has them very competitive throughout this entire season because he has talent around him. And he's probably eager to show people that he's still able to compete at a high level. Yeah. A couple um, important notes to consider. Uh, one is that he has three years. This is Chris Paul. He has three years left at $124 million. Um, that also Miami cannot, because of, um, previous deals they've made, the heat cannot, I'll make sure I get this right. Miami does not have its 2021 or 2023 first round picks. So it's not like Miami can go out and trade first rounders to try and go out and get another big star. So what I'm saying is if you go out and and get Chris Paul, um, it 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 might enhance your ability to go out and get another big star because um, you you're not going to have to give up because you don't have them picks. So Miami's in a little bit of a bind, but not necessarily all that bad because once Dion Waiters and a few other guys come up in two years, their contracts, Pat Riley, regardless of what happens with Chris Paul will have a lot more flexibility. So, again, I, I, I kind of like where the Heat are at, but I, I would be surprised if something happens with Chris Paul, especially before the season. Yeah, I think they're going to wait and, and give it a few games to see how everything's no going. There's no rush. See how the other assets are performing, because like you said before, Miami doesn't have any picks to offer. So you need players to outplay their contracts or to play well enough to be considered movable assets. And in that event, I think a deal gets done during the season, you know, after a player plays and plays himself into a position to be traded, which could be a, a positive because that means a team wants you. They value you and they feel like you can be utilized better in their situation. Speaking of point guards, LaMelo Ball. What <laughs> I don't know if you follow this, CJ, but there is a report on ESPN that he's a legitimate. I do follow it. Yeah, that he's a legitimate. He has a legitimate opportunity to be the number one pick uh, 
in the 2020 draft. Now, I have said this for quite some time because everybody I've talked to for the last, let's say, year plus has said, uh, this is people around the league, uh, coaches, executives, uh, formerly involved in the league, basically that this guy is a top three, top five pick between his size, his improved decision-making, his defense, his pace, everything about him, um, that he is a, he's he's the real deal. Now, I, I didn't realize, I guess, in hindsight, that he could be a number one pick. I mean, that's a big statement, especially considering the guards in this draft. But um, what have you make of it? How much have you seen of LaMelo? I've been watching LaMelo from afar. I actually DM'd him, you know, a year, two years ago, when everything was happening with his brother and, and the situation of him you know, leaving school and all that stuff. And I just told him I was a fan. I've been watching from afar. I'm a fan of everything he's doing on the court. And I like his game and to, and to keep competing, basically, and that I'm going to see him in the league in a few years. And I had this discussion with my homies in my group chat. I was watching him some years ago and looking at his size, looking at his skill set, how he scores. Obviously, he got a bad rep from a perception standpoint, from shooting from half court, from cherry picking, doing things of that nature. But I think the game was so easy to him, it was boring. He needed a challenge for himself. But I think from a maturity standpoint, he's matured. He's played professionally. He's been in different environments. He's gone to Europe. He's traveled the world. And he has a different understanding of the game. He's matured physically and I think emotionally and mentally based on circumstances. And seeing his brother in the league being exposed to NBA lifestyle, NBA workouts, NBA training so early on, I think it's really benefited him. And he's 6'7 now. He's legit. And no offense to his brother, I think he's better than Zoe. And Zoe's a really good NBA player. I think offensively, he has a lot of tools. He's good in pick and roll. He's got pace. He's got size. He can finish around the basket. He's got floaters from out to 15 feet. I've really been watching him from afar. And I said he was going to be a lottery pick when he left the first time. And, he, and obviously, the situation didn't work out as well as they would have liked when they had to create the the triple B movement of, of playing those games around, you know, the United States. But he's a legit player. And I think that the scouts, you know, they took some time to kind of step away and then they re-immersed themselves into his game and went and watched and seen that he's like a man amongst boys and he's only a kid. You know, he's 17, 18 years old and still growing into his body. But I think his dad was right. And I wouldn't say this very often about a lot of things the dad says, but in this case, I think he's going to be the best out of all three brothers. And I think his repertoire and offensive versatility uh, translates to the NBA right now. And I think he's going to have a long career in the NBA. Yeah, I was talking to Earl Watson, who obviously we both know really well. Uh, and I and I said, I asked him, you know, what what makes LaMelo so special in a in a vacuum? And he says, you know, he never um, he never gets sped up. You know, he's just he's always at his pace. There is a mature there's a maturity there that we've seen over the last couple of years as he's um, grown physically and also, you know, mentally he's improved. His passing is, is otherworldly. We talk about the size, he's six, seven. And um, I, I think he's probably, I think he's in, still in his infancy stages as a playmaker, which is scary because of just because of how young he is. So CJ, I, I, I'm with you. I don't know if he could be the number one pick. I'm curious what was the conversation like with, with him and you um, on DM? Have you talked to him on the phone, or was it just really brief? No, it was just brief. I just DM'd him and said I was a fan. He, he was like, I appreciate that, basically. Like, he said he respected my game or whatever. I don't remember, like, the exact conversation, but I just watched him from afar. I know what it's like to be the younger brother. You know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to, you know, just – 
let him know that like I, I've been watching and he got a chance, man. I think that's the biggest thing. He had his chance to do something special regardless of what was happening back in 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, I was watching and I was seeing like the comparisons. I was seeing like what he was going through in the media, what the family was going through. And I just felt like, you know, as a, as a guy who plays in the league, as a guy who's a younger sibling, for one, the younger sibling is exposed to a lot because he's able to see what his older brothers do, the mistakes they make, the things they do well that turns out right, how to train. You got people to play with and compete against every day, and you're playing up. You know, your younger sibling, you're playing against your older siblings and, and really figuring out the game. And I seen how nasty he was, like the, the killer instinct. And I was like, man, this this kid's going to be really good. So it's it's funny to see how you know, the perception changes. You know, once you become a professional, you play and you hold your own at, at a high level. People start to kind of change their perception of you. Now they're starting to investigate and realizing that like he's just a normal seventeen year eighteen year old dude. Like he's very good at basketball, has a large following. He's involved in a lot because of the family and the spotlight that's been put on them. But I think he's really he really figured or is continuing to figure it out, and at least. Uh, the perception of, you know, some people who are following the game and, and in position to make decisions feel like he's a top three pick. And I think he's going to be lottery regardless of what yeah. happens I, I in want, the next seven yeah. months. I wonder who you compare him to because I see – and this – people are going to think this is crazy. And he's not physically there yet. But the, I see some Luka Doncic. I mean, that – if I, you're asking me with between the size and some of the playmaking – I mean that that's obviously a, a massive that would be incredibly I mean that that would be best case scenario but that's like some of the he does some of the same things. Yeah, I don't see the Luca. I mean, I see the size, but I don't see Luca. Luca's been a pro his whole life. Luca's I would say Luca's more polished in terms right. of No, I know. I know. Understanding the understanding the NBA game. He played for a Euroleague team, won a Euroleague title. Like he was bred to be Right. I'm not Lead, I agree. I'm just saying everything. some of the same I, skills. The size. You talking about the size, size the skill set? The like, skills. I see it. I think, I think Luca's a better shooter. I think Lamelo's more athletic. I think Lamelo's quicker, more explosive. I think the passing. They both are, are good passers, but um, in terms of like size and decision making and, and the flashiness, man, I think he's got a little bit of Jason Kidd in him. I think he's got a little bit of Showtime. Like people. Obviously, he's not Magic Johnson, but like in terms of the flashiness, like the no look passes and stuff like that, and being a big lead guard, I, I think he's got more. I think he's more J Kid, got more J Kid in him, and J Kid is a Hall of Famer. And I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I'm just saying big guard with vision can get to the cup. He going like he's six seven, like he's a legit six seven point guard. It's interesting because that's the comparison Jason Kidd that we heard a lot with Lonzo. Um, Lamelo is, is is he's more talented. He's bigger. He's more talented. Obviously, there's just there's a lot of intrigue there. We haven't seen him play against a lot of high level players. It would be very interesting to see him in the Australian league play against RJ Hampton, who obviously we've gotten to know a little bit and and is a great kid and another uh, projected top ten pick who um, who's who's playing in New Zealand, but the same league. So I'm really excited about that matchup. Um, and I'm excited about Lamella Ball. I mean, I, you know, it's always cool when you don't really. It's it's cool when you don't really know how good a player is, and it's rare that you don't really know how good he is as an American because we see guys so much in college. But now you have both Hampton and Ball playing overseas. It's just rare to have that. 
Yeah, super rare, but that's that's how global the game has become. You have two players who turn down the opportunity and chance to go to college to pursue professional dreams and aspirations, to get used to being considered a professional athlete, to be able to be paid right away and, and receive endorsements and things of that nature. They choose to go abroad. And in this situation, I don't think it's for everybody, but in this situation, I think they're in position to both be lottery picks and, and really take advantage of uh, playing professionally before making it to the NBA. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Going back to the NBA for a second, looking at the Milwaukee Bucks, a team we discussed briefly on the last podcast, Milwaukee Bucks were fined $50,000 for saying they will offer Giannis a Supermax. Um, basically, the NBA doesn't allow you to comment on players potentially receiving a Supermax until after their seventh season. Therefore, they can't technically discuss it until after uh, the upcoming season. But clearly, the league is just trying to send a message. We talked about the tampering. We talked about how it's become a problem and an issue. But in this case, I think it's safe to say everyone in the world knows Giannis is going to receive a Supermax. So I'm not sure why they are punishing him under these circumstances. This is the least egregious example of tampering that we've seen, CJ, and yet we saw a $50,000 fine. Now, I know John Horst well. I like John Horst a lot. Uh, the, there was nothing malicious about this. This was just him saying, yeah, well, of course we're going to offer Giannis a Supermax for $254 million. Why wouldn't we do that? This is insane that he that they're getting fined fifty grand. Um you know, maybe it's like the league saying, see, we're really taking this seriously now, but I don't I don't know why there's a fine here. I, I really don't. Yeah, I don't understand either. But on the bright side, it was only $50,000, which seems like a lot. But to a billion, multi-billion dollar organization, um, it's really just like going to Subway and getting a $5 foot long. But <laughs> turning the page <laughs> to the WNBA for a second, Alina Della Don was named the 2019 WNBA Most Valuable Player from the Washington Mystics, receiving 41 of 43 first place votes. This is her second MVP, and she's the first player in WNBA history there in the honor with two different teams. So shout out to her. She won her first one with the Sky. She also was 50-40-90 this year, averaging 19.5 points per game, 8.3 rebounds. 51.5% from the field, 40 from three, and 97% from the free throw line, which is really hard to do with no one guarding you, especially a player who plays at that level with that usage rate to shoot 97% on a high volume of attempts and 43% from three is exceptional. So shout out to you, 
for what you've been able to accomplish. It, it truly is something special. And uh, on on a, on a more somber note, uh, former pro basketball player Andre Emmett was found shot and killed. So terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, four years at Texas Tech, was coached by Bobby Knight. He was drafted in the second round 2014 NBA draft with the 35th overall pick. Um, also played for the Memphis Grizzlies in, in New Jersey Nets. So just wanted to... Some condolences out there for his family and friends. Uh, terrible tragedy, and um, I didn't know him personally, but I knew some people that were friends with him and around him. And uh, he was really well liked, CJ. Really, really well liked. I've heard nothing but great things about him, man. So that's that's tough. Uh, praying for him and his family, for sure. Pull up, listeners. Stay tuned. We're going to have Dalvin Cook on, running back from the Minnesota Vikings. Here shortly, so stay locked in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We want to welcome our special guest, Dalvin Cook, running back from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, guys leading the NFL in rushing yards right now. Uh, finished up his career at Florida State as the school's all-time leading rusher and was drafted in the second round of the 2017 draft. Uh, appreciate you coming on the pull-up pod, bro. Um, my first question is going to be related to fantasy football. I just want to let you know that you are my starting running back on my fantasy team, and I'm I'm thankful that I drafted you because you've been serving, man. So I just wanted to, you know, briefly just talk about how it feels to be healthy, you know, coming into this season. You've been through some injuries in the past, you know, got banged up, you had the ACL, hamstring, shoulder. You were finally able to go through a full summer. How does it feel to be healthy and to be as explosive? I mean, this is as explosive as I've seen you uh, since college. Um, you look great out there. No, I definitely appreciate you for having me on your fantasy, too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I definitely feel feel good. Um, feel like I got my feet under me, and you know, just just trusting what my own line giving me out there, and just taking advantage of it. To be honest, but you know, it's been a good off season. Um, been putting in the work, you know, every week, you know, each week, just putting in the work over and over. You know, just keep stacking them up, but you know, and getting positive outcomes from it. But other than that, it's just been a journey to get here, and you know, just still grinding, man. What was the journey like, Delvin, coming back from the injury and having to miss a lot of football? Um, what did it teach you to be away from the game? Because CJ's talked about it as well, being away from basketball and how it helped him appreciate the game, um, how it helped him maybe see things that he wouldn't have seen when he was actually on the floor. So for you, what did it, what did it do for you being away from playing every day? You know, at the beginning of every Every injury is a process you go through, and that's just you know the wear that it that it that it takes on you just from not being on the field, you know, wanting want to be out there competing, because you know that's what we love to do. But then eventually you sit back and tell yourself, you know, you just got to go through the process, and you open your eyes up and just look at it from a whole different perspective of like you know, I take advantage of meetings and and just being on the practice field and just embracing the grind. So 
you know, that's that's the part you miss about being hurt and, and not being able to be out there. So you cherish those moments, just not being able to do it when you're injured. So it's a different side to it, definitely. Uh, it looks like you're running with a vengeance out there, man. You look explosive. Uh, look like you're happy to be out there, and you guys are doing really well as a team right now, 2 and one I want to take it back to your high school days a little bit, coming from Miami. There's a lot of professional athletes that come out of Miami, not just football, but also basketball and other sports. What was it like growing up in Miami and the culture of football and sports and how great high school football is there? How did that shape uh, the person you are today and the player you are today? Yeah, definitely. Um, back in back home, back in Miami, like football is just like so competitive at every age group. So you get that competitive driving you at an early age. You know, I started football when I was four years old and I don't think a lot of, you know, people start football that early. But, you know, we was in pads tackling like right? four years old. So like you get that edge early and you know it's passion and then you get to the high school level, that's when you know, that's them big games and the whole city come out and support. So it's definitely like, you know, you're getting a you're getting a, a different experience of football, you know, just just down in South Florida. Delvin, do you feel like the pace of the game slowed for you or it changed for you after the injury or like at what point did you start to feel like you were able to change speeds at a different level um kind of like when you went from high school to college and the game felt like a little easier at what point did that transition feel natural for you as a pro no i definitely coming off my injury i said it definitely was a process of, of getting back to getting comfortable, and it, it took me, you know, I came back last year. I had the had the hamstring, and I set out for a few games, and I played on the back stretch of the season, and I was still like, you know, getting my feet back under me, and I was like a year out, but now it's year two off the ACL, and I definitely feel great. And so like I got, like I said, my feet under me, and it's definitely strong, and just been putting in the work, like I said. How do you think track has helped you uh, from a football side of things? Obviously, you know, growing up in Miami, you you ran track. Uh, you competed at a high level. You could have ran track professionally if you wanted to. How do you think that's benefited you? I've seen you, you get 70, 75, 80-yard touchdown runs. How do you think that's benefited you from a football standpoint, even on the training side? Really just staying explosive. And I think if you see, a tra- if you see track runners, they just, they're explosive when they come out of break, when they come out of blocks. Or just when they get the stick, just stand explosive, and I think that's what I really tried to work on when I was running. And I had a I had a very good track coach that that you know taught me. So that's what I tried to just work on, just stand explosive. But isn't there, Dalvin? Isn't there like track speed and football speed though? Like what's what's the difference? The pads really you put pads on who can play as fast, you know? Because a lot of people get pads on to get timid because they never had a ball or just a, a different feel for them. So like you know, running fast with pads is, is way different than you know just just running fast with your normal body weight. So so is it easier to go from football to track than track to football? Definitely, I think so. You ain't got to worry about getting hit. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get hit on that track. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> CJ, did you ever run track? I did, but I was so slow. I had to get. <laughs> I didn't have that that <laughs> southern speed, man. I was a. I ran the four hundred. I ran the two hundred. If I would never dare to run at 100 because it's it's literally the longest sprint ever. Yeah. I can give you a good 10 meters, but 
after that, man, I got the basketball, you know, 93 feet, but we never really have to run as fast as we can for long periods of time. It's just quick bursts. So I had to, I had to leave that alone. I had to leave football alone too because I grew up in Ohio, man. Them dudes is big. We had real linemen, like real 300 pounders. And going across that middle, it just wasn't for me, man. I, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So uh, I, had to, I had to switch over to hoop. Dalvin, I know you um I know you grew up playing with Devonta Freeman and obviously same high school. Who's the fastest guy that you ever that you grew up playing with or or were ever around? Who's the who's the who's the fastest guy? Uh probably back in college. I played with Kermit Winfield. It was probably it was a it was a track runner. Him and Marvin Bracey. They was they was real track runners. Yeah. Looking at this season, let's go to the, the Vikings for a second. You talked about having a healthy a healthy summer. Obviously, you had to rehab. You had to go through some things. And now you're just trusting your block and trusting your schemes. What individual goals did you make for yourself this season? And what what team goals are you guys looking to accomplish? You know, as you get closer to the bye week. You know, I got my eyes on the bye week because I'm gonna have to find somebody to hold the fort down for that week. So uh, I'm always aware of the bye weeks and and how you guys kind of monitor your time. Yeah, um, really, the goals I made was just like real personal goals, like I. Just was really just just stay available, and, you know. Just make sure I take care, you know, each and everything, and check off all the boxes for me to be ready for, you know, each and every game. But I really didn't set like no no numbers and stuff like that. But it's it's definitely important. No, that's smart. I, I like I like how you answer that because I always try to answer the, the same way when people, when people ask me about how I'm approaching the season. And it's if you're healthy, you're gonna put up numbers. You're gonna produce yeah. because the, the work mm-hmm. was done in the summertime. So uh, I like how you responded. I just one more question to follow up with that would be from a diet standpoint. I know a lot of guys are hiring chefs. You guys are burning a lot of calories. You got to worry about cramps when you're playing outdoors, and then when the wintertime comes, it gets cold. From a hydration standpoint, what type of diet do you put yourself through? in the regular season to stay healthy, stay available, and to feel fresh um, during the season? Well, that's when I drink as much water as I can. So every day I set myself like to like a water limit. And then you know, I have like my, my meals prepared. Um, I got like a meal plan that I got set up. So they drop my food off and, and I eat like that. Delvin, who was your favorite player growing up? I, I've read that it's Marshall Falk. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between you two. Was is that is that fair to say? Was it was it Marshall? Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I like watching. If I like put on the old old tape, I like want to watch Marshall. That's the type of bat that I would like to watch. Right, because he was so versatile. Yeah, CJ, that's kind of like you. Yeah, I'm versatile, but I ain't got that speed, man. That that speed is unlike anything I've seen, man. I I, I got quick bursts. I, I get in and out. I play more of a slow passive game. I'm more of like an Emmett Smith. I, <laughs> yeah, I, you're Emmett Smith. Not, That's not, fast. Not super fast, but fast enough to get by. You know what I mean? Like, Dalvin, I what do you think? You. Is CJ? Can we say CJ is kind of like Emmett Smith? Kind of like changes speeds? Yeah, he got that smooth game. So how's your hoop game, Dalvin? Nah, I ain't really no hoop, but I got to be real. I respect it because a lot of football players have been like, I'm nice. I know. That's what I mean. And most of them not. You know how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) You you talked about tape. When you're watching tape um, on Marshall Falk and some of those older guys, for us as as basketball players, when we're watching the game, we're playing both sides of the ball, so we got to know other teams' plays. We got to know our plays. We got to know coverages, tendencies. What do you watch as a running back um, when you're watching film and prepare? 
and when you're trying to improve, you know, next game, next season, uh, things of that nature. I like watching other guys in the league just to see, like, you know, their approach to the line of scrimmage. And, you know, because as, as a running back, it's all about setting, setting players. Like, it's like chess, just setting players, putting players in place so you can get into that space. So, like, you got to move the linebacker with your eyes, press the hole, or just, just looking how they how they do certain things, you know, how they press the line of scrimmage or... You know what I'm saying? Because everybody got their own different pace. And like like a guy like Le'Veon, you know, he got the the patient game and then he do what he do. But me, I'm more of a, you know, get it right now and try to, you know, make my opportunities as best as I can. So when you're lining up, plays about to snap, um, are you, first thing is you're looking at the backers, you're looking at the line. What, what, what do you like to, you know, how do you like to, to make your pre-snap reads, if you will? Because obviously the quarterback is doing his thing. Like, what are you doing, Delvin? I think if you studied enough, you would just pretty much know, like, what type of you know, defense they want to play to certain things that we do. So if a defense, if we come out in a certain grouping, I just know what the what they're going to line up in and, and how everything should be done. Yeah, that's true. I think it's instinct, too. At this point, you've been playing so long, your eyes kind of just go. And I, for me, when I'm coming off ball screens and stuff, I'm seeing reads. It's like everything's moving in slow motion, but when I watch the tape, it's fast. And it's crazy how, like, your eyes probably slowing everything down as you're at the line of slim, scrimmage and it's going in slow motion. Then you get the ball and it's the 4-3 speed takes over and, and next thing you know, you're off to the races. Yeah, that's about trusting yourself right there. Trusting your eyes. Trusting your instincts. And that's just with me. I trust my eyes and instinct because I think like I, I done put that that work in throughout the week to trust my eyes and instinct just to go. And I think that's really the same thing. How many times, Dalvin, during a game do you feel like you just miss a run? Like you see guys feel like you know, like they just miss breaking one. And obviously, you've broken plenty already. But th- does that happen often where you're you get upset with yourself because you you either you just got tripped up or you, you just missed a hole or whatever it was. Like how many, does that happen frequently or like very infrequently? <laughs> I try not to make it happen frequently. I hope not. Yeah. But like when I, when it, when it, when you, when I do see it, like certain runs, it, it'd be a small run, like a, a two yard run, three yard run that you, that you know could have went for 40 yards, 50 yards. And, 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 and the only person seeing it was you cause right. you back there in the helmet. So like, you get tripped up or, or a guy just don't get off their block just in time for you to hit the hole or just, just a little thing, you know, that can stop a big run or make it a five-yard run, which you thought could have been a big one. Yeah, Jordan, he's leading the NFL in 20-plus-yard carries entering week three. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't missed many. <laughs> he, get, he getting off. Bro getting off. Bro had 110 yards on 16. They need to give you – look, man, I, I know you can't really speak on it right now, and I'm going to let Jordan go ahead and say what he's going to say, but – we need more carries. We need more touches, bro. <laughs> they they <laughs> they got to come off the pill. More touches for Dalvin. I'm tweeting it. I, I'm on the Dalvin bandwagon. We need more touches, not just for my fantasy, but because you're so product you're so productive out the backfield, sweeps, get off the tackle. Like you're able to break. Pl- a, you can break a long run at any point in the game. So they got to they got to continue to utilize you all over the field, man. I like to see him move you around like Camaro. I like to see him really take advantage of everything you have to offer. And you don't have to comment because I know how that go. But I just wanted to get that off my chest. No, that's respect, though. Yeah. 
You're saying whatever it is, it's not enough. No, it's not. Like, think about it. He has 16 carries for 110 yards. That's unbelievable. Bro, 16 carries. I shoot 16 times in a game. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pulling 16, 17 shots. Like, when you got an athlete, it's just like playing Madden. You have to get him the ball in space. You have an elite running back who can break a 75-yarder at any point, if the if the gap if the containment is not the way it's supposed to be, if the linebackers get upfield too fit, too fast, if the safety is blocked, he's breaking 60, 70 yards. So like you get a guy like that in space, it's common sense. It's kind of like how I wish Freddie Kitchens would use Odell, move him around, put him in motion, do different stuff so where he's not just like not just lining up in the backfield and they know, all right, he in the eye form or he in the spread. You move him around and then you get mismatches. It's just like, like he said before, it's chess, not checkers. You get mismatches to where maybe he's lined up on a linebacker, which is, they don't stand a chance. Just be creative. I ain't a football expert, but I, I, I study the game from afar. I'd be thinking like, if they move around certain players, it's really hard to stop them as it is. But you move them around, then it's almost impossible. Well, how many touches is he getting? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> Not enough. But it's early, though. It's only three games in. It's still time for them to adapt, to figure it out. They want. They don't want to work the workhorse too early on in the season. I get it. But it's almost go time. All right, we're making the push. I'm, I'm on the bandwagon, bro. I, and this is no cap, bro. I'm on the bandwagon. We're making the push Pro Bowl. We're making the push for the Pro Bowl this year. I see it. I, I mean, all, I, 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 not point. only that, we're going We're going all pro. Delvin, um, I was talking to Zach about uh, the music label. Can you tell us a little bit about about that as well? And I know you're working with Ray Emanuel. He, he's a, he's wonderful. Um, give us. Can you can you tell us about that? Yeah, just a young kid, talented, um, trying to give him opportunity, and I think you know, it's a good one. So, you, know, you got to go listen to some of his music. But great kid, humble. Um, like I said, just trying to give him more opportunity. That's it. Yeah, CJ, you got to hear him. He's he's like uh, he might be thirteen, fourteen years old. He's got he's like an R and B kind of gospel. He's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible. Dalvin, what? I guess last thing for me is what? What type of music do you like to listen to before games? It all depends on the mood. Like if I know it's gonna be like one of those physical games, then I get my mind ready for it. Like, but you know, just. I, it's just all just filling filling the, the game out, and sometimes I don't listen to music before games. I just want to feel the vibes, or you know, like oh, I go into it, you know, just with a different mindset of, of what I want to listen to. CJ, you're the same, right? Yeah, I I got playlists. I got playlists for moves. I literally have them labeled, so it's like R and B. Sometimes I want to hear old school, so I'm listening to the OJ's. Sometimes I just want to hear classical music with no words to kind of really focus in. So it just it's really day to day, man, because we're 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 so different in terms of like how we feel each day. Some days you feel great, some days you tired, some days you're already excited. So you don't need to hear no chief key for or none of that because you're already ready to go. And then other days you're feeling sluggish, so you need to hear some pick me up music. So you might need, you know, more of that that get you going type music. I hear that. I guess my last question for you is from a from a fan support standpoint. I've been to. Minnesota, when we played the Timberwolves last year, uh, we went to a game. Uh, Diggs hooked us up with some tickets. So shout out to my guy, Diggs. He took care of us. And we came to a game. It was my first time at the arena. That arena is beautiful. Stadium, not arena. That stadium is beautiful. Like, state-of-the-art, uh, multi-billion dollar stadium. The fans are crazy. The jerseys was out. It reminded me of being in Cleveland, only the stadium was more modern and nice. 
how much does that fan support do for you guys? I know you guys have one of the best home court advantages, um, home court, home field advantages in the NFL. How juiced are you to play at home? And does, do you feel a difference in how you run at home versus on the road? Yeah, it's definitely a difference. Like, like you said, you've been to our, our stadium, and it's, I think it's one of the top in the league. And, you know, once that thing going, it's going. We got the whole score chat. And, you know, it's inside, so all the noise is inside, and you hear it, like, when the game going. So this is a different type of environment because I played outside of college, so that's that's different for me. But it's definitely a different vibe, and it, it make a way game really, like, kind of easy for real. That's like the motor, CJ. Man, I don't know if you're a hoop fan or not, man, but if you ever want to come to a game or anything like that, even when we play um, in Minnesota, I'm sure you can get tickets anyway, but if you need any or you want to come on the road, just let me know, man. I'll um, I have Jordan get you my number, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast and wish you nothing but health, wealth, and success going forward. Keep doing your thing, bro. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, Dalvin. We want to thank all our listeners for tuning in to the Pull Up Pod. We truly appreciate it. I want to thank our guest as well, Dalvin Cook, running back on my fantasy team, but most importantly for the Minnesota Vikings. You can catch us on Apple, Spotify, radio.com backslash pull up or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to pull up. Pull up. <laughs>